Okay, let's get started with Parshas Bahar, Tafshin Ayintes, as we head towards the uh, climax of Sefer Vayikra, second to last Parsha, and again, this year being a leap year, every Parsha has its own week here in Eretz Yisrael, every Parsha, including Matos Mase, even has its own week, but that's the week that Chutz Laaretz catches up, but either way, here we are, Parshas Bahar, Tafshin Ayintes, so we start off with the beginning, beginning of the Parsha, Vayedab Rashon Moshe Bahar Sinai Lemar. Parsha gets its name, what we call it, Bahar, from this Pazak, Hashem says to Moshe at Behar Sinai, at Har Sinai. The following halachas. Speak to Bnei Yisrael, tell them, Ki Savo el Haaretz, Asherani Nosein Lachem, when you go into the land, the Shavs Haaretz Shabbos Lashem, as we know, the mitzvah of Shemitah. The mitzvah of Shemitah specifically linked to Har Sinai. And Rashi again quotes the famous Chazal, every mitzvah was given at Har Sinai. What does it mean that Hashem spoke to Moshe at Har Sinai? And Dafka Shemitah, tell them about Shemitah. Every mitzvah, Ma'inyin Shemitah Yitzel Har Sinai, asks Rashi. What is the connection? So Rashi says, really, Shemitah is just the example. Really, every mitzvah was given. Just like here, we have the details of Shemitah given, besides the Klalim, the Shavsar, and Shabbos, but then we get into the details. What exactly is Asr? Zariah, Zamira, all of the Malachos that are mentioned. So just like that, is that uh, mitzvah is given so so too every every mitzvah question one which Chazal did not pick up on here and that is what's the double lashon of daber and viamarta daber b'nei yisrael viamarta lehem speak to b'nei yisrael and tell them kisavo elaris etc right every time there's a double lashon we just had in last week's parsha emor viamarta so that one Chazal picked up on. Emor via Marta, the beginning. Emor alakon ebenei Aaron via Marta lehem. So here we have Daber ebenei Yisrael via Marta lehem. So what's the double lashon uh, meant for? Number one. Number two. Again, the question that Chazal do ask, or they don't ask, but they allude to, and that is asked by many mefarshim. Why dafka shmita? Why is that the example that's picked to connect to Har Sinai? What exactly is the uh, message? Again, many answers given to that question. So says the Drash David. Maybe the secret is to deal with a famous question about Harsinai. And if we learn and appreciate that experience and a, and a message for life about Harsinai, then maybe we could understand the double Lashon and we can understand why Shemitah specifically is picked. And he deals with a question that Tosfus asks the Mesech Shabbos and Naf Peches, where we know that Gemara tells us, uh, quotes first the Pasik from Parshas Mishpatim Naasev Nishma. On the bottom of that Amud Pechesim and Aleph, the Gemara goes into deep descriptions of what happened, what we said, Nasev uh, Nishma, hundreds of thousands of Malachim came down and gave us crowns, and when we sinned, they took away the crowns, but it describes Nasev Nishma. But on that same daf, a few lines above, we have the Chazal that Rashi quotes in Yisro by Yisyatsu Besachta Zahar. They stood at the foot of the mountain. Amar of Avdimi Barchama Barchasim Malamed Shachafa Kadosh Baruch Aleim Besachar Kigigis Hashem held the mountain over their heads like a barrel. We discussed the Ben Yoyada on this Gemara in the past. Amazing comment. Why Dafka a barrel? Why not held the mountain over their heads like a mountain? Why Dafka a barrel? If you accept the Torah, great. That'll be the end of Jewish history. So ask Tosfus right there. I don't understand. They said, Why do we need Kafalem Harkigigas? Already the Midrashim asked this question as well. The Midrash in Parshas Noach says maybe the differences between Torah Shibachsav and Torah Shibalpeh. We were ready to accept Torah Shibachsav. That's finite, small Torah Shibalpeh. It's, it's constantly expanding, right? Puravu, by, by uh, concepts and svarim. But there are other answers given. 
So Tosfus gives an answer. Tosfus says, and maybe this is what the Drash David does not connect his approach to Tosfus, but maybe it could be what Tosfus means. Or maybe not. But either way, what is Tosfus' answer? I didn't give you this Tosfus. Tosfus says, They said Nasa Benishma. But maybe they would retract. Maybe when the, they see the fire of, of Harsinai, maybe they would be so scared, they would say, no, we can't do it, we can't do it. It's too much. It's too intense. So, that's what Tosfus says. But again, there are the Maharal and others, they ask on Tosfus, so then what kind of Kabbalah was it? So they, they, if they would have been Choserbo, so then what's the point of forcing? So then it wasn't a good Kabbalah, it was a force. Okay. Many different approaches to Tosfus also. But now let's see what the Drash David says. Bottom right, after all these questions that we just asked. Venera Levara, line 27. Even though B'nai Yisrael wanted to accept the Torah and the mitzvot, they wanted it. That was their decision. They still needed it. They still needed the kafaleim. Why? Human decisions have a great danger to them if they remain just as a decision as a dream, as a hope for the future. There's a great danger when a human being makes a decision if it's not acted upon right away. Once we come to actually doing it, we often come and can reveal we can have difficulties. Oh, I didn't realize that it was going to be so Challenging. So often when we try to put decisions and plans into fruition, you know, something happens and makes it difficult and challenging and makes us rethink and maybe we don't want to do it. If we would, that's only if we choose something out of our own goodwill. But what if we have to do something? Right? If we have to get to work, if we have to this, it doesn't matter what happens. We have to get to work. We have to trudge along and get there. You know, no matter what the weather is. If I'm forced to do something, then any challenge I'm going to overcome. Because I know I have to do it, not that I want to do it. If there's ever anything that I want to do, so then there, that's a danger. That's what happened. So we want to, we want to. But what does that represent the decision? But Hashem knows that often decisions, you know, are blocked by challenges. But Hashem knows that deep down that's what we want. So Kodesh Baruch Hu gives special siyata deshmaya to someone who really makes the decision and wants it and puts us all into it, Hashem will help you out. And that's what the Kafalim HaKagigas means here. Doesn't mean that it actually forced us. He, so to speak, gave us Eshel's extra siyata deshmaya, so it was ke'ilu, it was forced, so that we would actually accomplish it. He made it feel like we were forced. Because he knew that's what we wanted. It helped us concretize and realize the inner rudstone that we have. We wanted it, but Hashem just gave us the, you know, push, the added siyata deshmaya we needed. Nimseim ke, next paragraph. It wasn't against their will. Chalila. 
That was actually what pulled their Ratzon through. Right, like the Rambam, he doesn't quote it. The Rambam, I think in the footnote, he does quote it. I didn't give you the footnote. In Ilkhaz Gerishin, in Perak Beis Halachachaf, where the Rambam says that sometimes by a get, but the, our, our Yitzhahara is, is forcing us not to do the right thing. But that's life. If we want something, sometimes it's more challenging. But we have to push through it. And Hashem is helping us. So to speak, every decision we make in life is like a Nazav and Ishma. And then as, as we come to the challenges, is we have to f- try to feel like a couple of American gigas. We have to feel as if, you know, we, we don't have a choice. Hashem doesn't leave us. Hashem doesn't leave us. He holds our hand. He carries us. He's with us. Once in a while we feel that divine kiss. Somehow we're like, wow, something works out that is so beyond the coincidental that, you know, there's no other source where it must have come from except from upstairs. That's that's the couple of Markagigas. Second step. So we feel it. That's the Maimon Harsinai model. So now, says the Drashvali, and we come to the mitzvah of Shemitah, turning the page. We come to the mitzvah of Shemitah. And if we think about Shemitah, it is one of the hardest mitzvahs in the Taryag. Imagine, to put it into our terms, that we decide one year not to go to work and not to get a paycheck for the next year. Now, how many of us are ready to do that? Willingly, and just, you know, I'll see what grows in my field, and I'll hope for neighbors, and we'll, we'll work it out. It'll work out. It'll work out. You don't want to pay me for the next 12 months? That's okay. It's okay. I'm good. I'm fine. And maybe in a day without savings accounts, you know, let's say without dipping into savings accounts, you know, how, much, how would we survive? Figure it out. But that's what Shemitah is. Shemitah is not getting a paycheck for a year. Basically, that's a very hard mitzvah. So how do we fulfill that? You know what Kaddish Baruch Hu does? He knows it's hard. And that's what the Medrash says. I didn't give you the Medrash. Does he quote it? The Gibori Koach right, quotes the, the Psukim that the... Yeah, he quotes it on line 11. Balama Nikra Shmam Gibore Koach. That's what the Medrash relates. Uh, people who keep Shemitah. Roasha Sateu Mufkeres. Vilonosav Mufkarim Basiagim Mufuratsim. I see my field is just open to all. Varop Herosim Nechal and other people eating some fruit. The Kovesh Es Yitzro Veinamadaber. Ezeo Gibra Kovesh Es Yitzro. That's very difficult. So Hashem gives us an extra help. I'm going to help you. That's the double Lashon of Daber Obede Yisrael Marta Alehem. Tell them to do it, but tell them again that I'm going to stay with them. Tell them they're going to have the extra Kofalem Rakhigigis Yatta Deshmai. They just have to do the most that they can. And then I'll help where it's underlined. Yarda Torah Lasov Daito Shaladam. Viyadak Yavapisha Kal Yehudia Yareis Varashem. Rotsemail of the Kaimis Mitzvah Sashmita. He, every Jew wants to do the right thing. Every Jew wants to keep the mitzvahs and follow the laws of Shmita. Ulam Imzo Shitzar Bachizaka Mitzvah. But we need chizik. We need chizik. That's the tzivu yasheni. The tzivu yasheni is Yisayet tzivu zebiyat adam. This second lashon of tzivu will help push us along. Lahotzias sheifosav b'kia mitzvah shmita. Right? This is this is the message here. I didn't bring it to you, but maybe I should have. The Rambam. The Rambam says the same exact idea at the end of Hilchas Tamura, where the Rambam says, "What's the message of the mitzvah of Tamura?" Again, even though the Rambam and the Ramban argue at the beginning of a yikra. 
And it's quoted, as the Rambam does say, that the Karbanos are just connected Avodah and the Ramban says it's much more fundamental uh, messages. The Rambam agrees to that also. We can't just take one line that the Ramban quotes from Moran Avuchim. The Rambam, throughout um, various places where he talks about Karbanos, talks about other ideas, including at the end of Yisurim Mizbeach, including at the end of Timur, including at the end of Me'ilah. There's a lot of other uh, messages so the Ram of the end of Timura says, what's the message of the Isra of Timura? If I have a carbon A and now I want to substitute carbon B, I'm not allowed to do that. It's Asr. And if I try to do it, they're both Karbanos. Right, mitzvah saseh, lo saseh, mitzvah saseh. What's the message? Says the Rambam. Almost the exact Lashon. Yard the Torah, sof daito shaladam. The Torah knows that after we decide on things, often we want to retract. And therefore, and often, you know, it's, you know, like in Shul, we're no Dave something when we get an Aliyah, and then Mosi Shabbos, we think, did I really want to give that much? Did I really, did I really, that? well, I said it in public, so I don't have a choice, right? But that's the, that, that's the, the reality of the human condition, that we always go back on our decisions, even in mitzvos. The Ramam says, that's the Isra of Tamura. You're not allowed to do that, and if you try to do it, it's tough luck on you, right? They're both carbons. They're both carbonos. But that's the message here of the double Lashon. And that's why Dafka Shemitah is linked to Harsinai, Naseb, and Ishma, because we need to remember the message of Harsinai, of Kafal Amar even after the decision, in order to properly fulfill, to fulfill the mitzvah of, the mitzvah of Shemitah. And it re- re- reminds us of, you know, many, many sources that talk about, you know, what, what's life about? Life's about being inspired and then keeping the inspiration. There are moments of inspiration in life. Hopefully that's not hard. We all get inspired at different moments. The challenge is to keep those moments and to stretch those moments. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the challenge. That's the difficulty. That's exactly this message, right? That's what we've quoted before in the Shemanatov in, uh, on the Akeda, where he focuses on the Medrash and the question of why Dafka we focus on that detail of the process, Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Yitzchak. Why Dafka the binding? The bringing up of Yitzchak, the, the going to the mountain of Yitzchak, why Dafka the binding? The Medrash says that when Yitzchak and Avram were going, Yitzchak turned to his father and says, you know, I'm 30, I'm 37, you're pretty old. Make sure when we get down to the Mizbeach, tie me very tight. Because if I see the knife above me, I might move and get scared and pass the shechita. What, what's the message? Kaftani Yafi Yafa. Yitzchak knew he was... He was inspired at that moment to go to the Akeda. He was walking there. But he knew feelings don't always last. So what did he do? Kafalim Harkagigis. He put himself into a situation that he was going to have to be forced. So he wasn't going to be able to out, out, uh, be, get out of it. That he wasn't going to be able to backtrack. Because he knew that's what he really wanted to do. To fulfill the Dvar Hashem. And that's why that detail is what's focused on from Akedas Yitzchak. Okay, but that's the message here of Nasim of Nishma, Kafala Merkehigis, again, a message that applies outside of Parshas Bahar too. He, the Drash David here puts it in here, but it's really a message for us for, for life. Okay, that's a little bit about Shemitah. Now let's move on to Yovel, the mitzvah of Yovel. As we have later on in the Aliyah, after discussing Shemitah, the Pasuk tells us in Pasuches, Mesafarta Lacha, Sheva Shapsos Shanim, Sheva shalim, sheva pa'amim. Seven times, right? We know this mitzvah is upon Bezdin. Chazal tell us whenever there is a Lashen Rabim, so then it's Akol Yachid V'Yachid. Right? L'kachtem lachem ba'yom arishon, l'kichol kol echad ve'echad. We each have to take a lulav and dalad minim. U'sfartem lachem yimachraz ha'shabes, svir l'kol echad ve'echad. Each person has to count svir Omer. But where it's singular, it means to Bezdin as the representative of Kal Yisrael. V'sfartem lachem, there's no mitzvah on each individual to count the years of Yovel. 
It's only upon Bezdin. Blow the shofar on Yom Kippur of that year. You blow shofar. So it's different than just a regular Shemitah. Even though the laws of Shemitah apply to Yovel also, it's two years in a row that we're not allowed to work the land. But of course, there are added halachas of Yovel, of Avadim going free, of the lands going back to their original owner. It's a reboot for the world, so to speak. Lands go back, people go back. And then you have the E-Surim. Again, sometimes when the computer is like going a little crazy and berserk and it, this stops and this is working, something's just got to shut it off. Like start again, a reboot. That's what Yovel is. It's a reboot in order to get things back in, back in sync. And you hope after you turn it back on that everything's good. And you don't like lose anything. But that's, that's, that's Yovel. Rav Saratskin in Azayim Torah has a little deeper idea here. It's a deeper reboot than we think it is. What we're supposed to have in Yovel. Source three. Shnas ha-Yovel maskeres lanu es chai ha-adam kodem hachet. Not only is it a reboot for this world that we're in, Yovel is meant to remind us of Gan Eden, of what it was before Adam and Chava sinned. Right? When we didn't have to work the land. That's part of the Onish. Where did, what did Adam and Chava eat from? The trees. What grew by itself. Not anything that they worked. So so too Yovel. What, had they spend their time? Whatever Hashem told them to do. Right, why Adam and Chava were first put into Gan Eden was not to plow or to do any of the other avodos. That was after the Yonesh. It was avoda, avoda shebeleif. It was avoda shebemoach. It was different. That's a different type of avoda. Continuing line 11. The, the shrubbery that grew by itself was already eaten last year. during year 49. And there's not much left. So it's basically the fruit. Right? Because fruit grow every year. If you don't plant wheat, then it's not really going to grow. Maybe a few things will grow the following year, but that's it. Fruit tree grows every year. So that's what we're going to have during Yovel. Fruit, pre, pre ace like in Gan Eden. Gan Eden, they had the fruit. That is what is Yovel is about. Skip a couple of lines. And just like Adam was not a Eved to anybody, he was the only one, right? So too in Yovel. There's no Avadim. No avadim to anybody except straight to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Eved chavshim yadonav ve'nalove od eved leish malve b'shasa shmita shekarnu liyovel. No more, no more. And this is what we're supposed to think about. And says Rav Saratskin. And even though it's only once every fifty years, not that often. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows that that's not reality now. But once every fifty years, it gives us a boost. Once every fifty years. And even though Laabdul Shamra becomes literal after Yovel, Aval Hashpa's Hayovel Rabahi Laola. But the Hashpa of Yovel can be forever. 
Ada Yovel Abba. Kemo Hashpoas Mechilas Avonos. Biyama Kippurim. Hanem Shachat Yom Kippurim Abba. Hashem knows effects potential effects. Hashem knows that we can take one Yom Kippur to the next Yom Kippur. We can take one Rosh Chodesh to the next Rosh Chodesh. There's effect that stays. Hashem knows. And therefore, if Hashem knew that we needed two Yom Kippurs, there'd be two Yom Kippurs in a year. He knows one Yom Kippur a year is enough. If we properly uh, fulfill it, so too with Yovel. I mean, we, Rachman al-Islan, don't have the privilege of keeping Yovel b'zman right? We don't have all the Shvatim in, we don't have Rov of Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael in the proper places. The Gemara Narachid says not only if you have the Jews in Israel, but in their proper Shevet places we have to have. And now we have to wait for Elio and Navi. Uh, but Hashem just knows that it's, it's, uh, it's something that when we have it, once every 50 years has an effect on the nation and we daven for the day that we get to fulfill it. So that's a little bit about Shemitah, Yovel, the added point pre, pre, um, Pre-Ganeden, pre-Chet in Ganeden. Okay. One other point about Shemitah and Yovel. The Pasuk says, V'nas naris periyav achatam asova v'shatam v'etachalecha. V'chisomru, Pasuk chaf. Manocha b'shan ashviyas, let someone say, well, what are we going to eat? I'm nervous. What are we going to eat? Hashem gives you a special promise. Don't worry, I'll have it be so strong and plentiful from year six, it'll do three years worth. The Shemitah year, the Yobel year, and the following year, because you don't get the plant till the following year, and it's only going to take some time to grow. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, source number four. It's interesting that the Rambam, we discussed this in past years, various reasons behind the mitzvah of Shemitah. The Klayakar has a few. The Klayakar's yard site was, uh, was just last week. And the Chinuch and the Rambam. The Rambam has the most, so to speak, agricultural reason. The Rambam writes, because the land needs a rest. The land needs a rest. The land's worn out. And it's good agriculturally to let fields lie fallow, to kind of get its strength back. That's what the Ramam says. So if you think about that, says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that makes the miracle of this Pusik even greater. You know, after six years of being worn out, so one would think that what's it going to produce after six years? Hardly anything. And yet, even though it's all worn out, it still could overpower and miraculously bring fruit to its owner. It makes the miracle that much greater. Part one. That's what he says in the source four. And from the, from the Gutnik. Quotes the Rambam to, uh, to enhance its fertility. From this it follows that after six consecutive years of intensive agriculture, the land is at its least fertile point in the seven year cycle. So the Torah's promise that the land will yield produce in the naturally infertile sixth year is totally irrational and requires a person to accept an authority which is higher than his mortal understanding. Okay, it's a miracle, but we just said it's even more than a miracle. In the natural, not just one year, but the fact that it's so weak, it's so downtrodden, it's so weary, and it still produces so much. Wow. But that's not where it is. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, paralleling it to Jewish history. We know there are Chazals, the Gemara tells us in Meseches Sanhedrin and Avodah Zarah, about the world being 6,000 years long, and the seventh year being the millennium, Mashiach, if that's the latest that it, that it, if we're not Zohar to Achishena before that. But says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, it's the same idea. As we go through all these thousands of years, 
And Beth Hashem, it should end today. As we go through these thousands of years, the Jews are so downtrodden. And the Jews are so weary. And we're such the, looked at as the lowliest of nations. And more people hate Israel more than any other nation in the world. For, his, for, for generations and for centuries. What country consistently has the most anti-feelings to it in the, in the world of nations? And it says the Lubavitch Rebbe, it's exactly the same. By the end of the six years, it seems like B'nai Yisrael are finished. And they're worn out. And yet, Hashem promises that there's going to be such a miraculous event that's going to happen. And that is just going to be so much more miraculous based on where Am Yisrael has been. We hope that we already reached the lowest point in 1945. And now it's just on up from here. But that's what Lubavitcher Rebbe says. It makes no sense that four years after 1945, when a third of our people were decimated, then we were able to come back to our homeland after 2,000 years and have Jews come back. It makes no sense. That's exactly the message of Shemitah. And the promise in this passage, Hashem says, right? That's what happens in Jewish history. That's what he says, since the Jewish people suffer from gradual regression in spiritual stature as the generations pass. And people think, in the, the 1950s, what was everybody saying? Orthodox Jewry is done and finished. Makes no sense. We had such a, such a, a going down. And yet, yeah, Torah is prospering throughout the world. A person might ask, how could the efforts of the spirituality weaken and fertile? Sixth millennium bring the true and complete redemption. The Torah answers, yeah, I promise, the Kaddish Baruch Hu says. I have it covered. We won't be able to fathom it. I think I mentioned in the Haggadah Shir, I think Rav Sadiagon said. We know that there are two words in the in the Brisbane of Asarim, where Kaddish Baruch Hu promises, v'gamas yavodu donanochi. Donanochi, those two words, is the source for all the Makos and all Kriyas Yamsuf and everything that happened at Timitzrayim. We're all from those two words, Donanochi. It's unbelievable how much, how many miracles in the process. Imagine, says of Sadigon, there are Prakim and Prakim talking about the, 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 the Gula Hasida. There are Prakim and Prakim in Yeshayahu, in Yechezkel, in other Nevi'im. We can't fathom what it's going to be. But as the Lubavitcher Rebbe says to us, it's not going to make any sense for based on what was beforehand. I mean, it will make sense because we'll realize everything was part of the divine plan. So in that way, it will make sense. But in terms of the logic objectively, so it's just like Shemitah. When we're most weary, then we will have the uh, amazing events that will that will come. Good. Continuing our discussion all the way at the end of Shemitah and Yovel, we have Ribis, and then we have the Pasuk. I am Hashem your God that took you to Eretz Kenan to be for you, for a God. And Rashi quotes the Gemara in Meseches Ksubis, or in the Medrash also. Shekol, what does it mean? Eretz Kenan liyoz lochem lokim. Shekol hadar be'eretz Yisrael ani lo lelokim. V'chol hayotze mimana ka'oved avodas elilim. Rashi quoting the Torah's Kohanim has a very strong statement. If somebody lives in Eretz Yisrael, I am to them a god, and anyone who leaves, so then it's ke'ilu oved avodasar. That's the Rashi. Ask the Maharal how he's supposed to understand this. 
How are we supposed to understand this? The Gur Aryeh, source number five. So point number one, he says, put two things together. To understand the pshuto shel ha chazal. Number one, he says, you have to remember this is God's land. This is God's palace. Hashem says that in almost every parsha in the Torah. This is my land. If you live anywhere else in the world, you're not in my land. That's not a political statement. That's a theological statement. Right? God only has one land. And that's Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, if you want to be close to me, you got to be here. It's Ki'ilu. It's not Mamish. But what's the Ki'ilu? So he doesn't quote it, but remember the Ramban. He's quoting the words of the Ramban of Parshas Achremos. Where the Ramban, and, and elsewhere, but that's his most expansive formulation and presentation of this. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu has direct Hashkacha to Eretz Yisrael because that's his land. Every other land, there's a Malach, a Sar that controls it. Meaning, indirect hashkacha. We don't understand spiritual levels in that way. But that's what he quotes. Why? Now he adds. The more, right, we know that's a halachic principle. The greater covet for the king is in the multitude of people. The more people that are in the king's palace, the greater glory there is. Every Jew who makes Aliyah brings greater glory to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Barov Am Hadras Melech. If this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's palace, so then the more people here, the greater it is. And if somebody chooses not to, so then they're not contributing to Barov Am Hadras Melech Malchem Lachim, and therefore it's Ke'ilu Oved Avodah says the Maharal in Prague, explaining the Rashi, in France, explaining the Medrash in Eretz Yisrael. But again, Torah went all elsewhere, right? They, uh, but the root of it, obviously, is in Eretz Yisrael. And if somebody who's in Dar Laaretz, he is Barov Am Hadras, whatever Sar that country is under, says the Maharal. And that's why it's Kilo Avedavodazar. But then the Maharal picks up on something that maybe we didn't notice. It's not exactly parallel what the Medrash says. The Medrash says, if you live in Eretz Yisrael, I'm your God. If you, what should the second part be? If you don't live in Eretz Yisrael, doesn't say that. If you live in Eretz Yisrael, I'm like your God. If you leave Eretz Yisrael, it's Kilo Avedavodazara. Shouldn't it be, why is it Dafki if you leave? So says the Maharal, because really the Pagam in the Barov Am is if you have the potential and you left. That's the slap in the face. If you were never there, so then maybe it's not Ki'ilu Oved Avodazara. Dafka Hayotzi Mimena Ki'ilu Oved Avodazara. Shohayolo Lios Baaretz. Fuwalach Lachutz Laaretz. Bozesh Osem Maisa Viyotze Nasan Kavod Lelohene Charaaretz. Maybe the problem, as Archazal say, it's not the living outside, but it's the Yotze. That's the Pagam. But then the Maral ends and says, no, no, don't stop reading now. What, okay, if I'm not there, I was never Yotze. I was never Yotze. I don't have a problem. Says the Maharal, but there's another Chazal. There's another Chazal. If you look in Rashi and Parsha's Lech Lecha, there he quotes something else. He quotes it, line 21. Call me She'eno Dar Be'eret Yisrael Ki'ilu Ein Lo Eloka. Fine if you leave, then it's Ki'ilu Ovedavad Zara. And if you don't leave, it's not Kilo Vedavadazara. 
But it's, it's Kamisha Enlo Eloka, even if you don't live there and you never left. Because the direct Eloka, and it's Meduyak, Dafka here, you're right, Yodze is Kilo Ben Odazara. But not there? Okay, so you're just lacking that close relationship. And that's what Rashi says, and he explains why the different contexts say, uh, in each one. Right? There, earlier, he's being Kore's bris with the Bene Eretisro. Well, that's Ravino, Ben Eretisro. So obviously, you have to be here. Kamishi Loka. Right here, it's talking differently after, uh, in a, in a different context. As he ends off, here he's not connecting to be their god in this context. That's already done from years before. He's just saying the Onesh, and therefore, Kilo Bidabodasar. Okay. Moving right along to a different area of halacha. We have halachas of Avadim that come up here in the parsha. If you have an Eved, lo savod bo avodas Oved. One is not allowed to work them too hard. Avodas Oved, or a specific type of avoda that is deemed inappropriate. Kisachir kadosha v'chulu, and then the Pasuk continues. Ki avada keres Oved. And then the Pasuk that we're going to focus on, Pasuk Mem Gimel. Lo sir devo b'farech. Do not make them do avodas perech. So we're familiar with that from the Seder. Avodas perech is what the Mitzri made us do. So what exactly is the definition of avodas perech? Rav Nevenzal has a number of ideas here. We're going to have time to go through all of them. But he goes step by step, including the one that Rashi quotes. I guess we'll start with Rashi. Rashi quotes, it's in the middle of the Rav Nevenzal one, but I'll read it from Rashi. What's avodas perech? Molacha shalolitzarech kadela anoso. You ask somebody to do something for you, an evid, that you have no, it's, it's meaningless, you don't need it. You're just asking him to do it, stam, so he works. Could you please warm this up? Could you please plow? Could you please this? Right, I don't need it. I just want him to be my evid and work for, for fun. Right, that's avodas perech. Says of Nevenzal, perech means breaking. Lefroch is to, is to break. I think that's backbreaking. Backbreaking could be physical. Backbreaking could be psychological. Backbreaking could be social. What do they do to us? Chazal by Mitzrayim tell us another, a number of other avodas perach ideas. Number one, as we know, famously, he gave the men the women's work and the women the men's work. Avodas perach. He says, well, why is that so bad? Lechor, the men's work was harder. So why was it, okay, the women had a tougher job, but why the men? The men did the women's work. Isn't that easier? So, no. As he explains, it's not about the heaviness. It's about what's matim and appropriate. If a man is given women's work to do, it can be very easy, but if he doesn't connect to it, so then it's going to be so against his essence, his inside. Line 15. Right? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's just that's the way it is. What difference? There are certain things that men like to do and certain things that women like to do. And if they try to do the other one, it just doesn't work out. And that's avodas perech, if we're forced to do it. But then he says there's another level. Another level. And that's what he quotes from Rashi. Work that is, or similar to Rashi. Work that is pointless, 
If we ever accomplish something, then we feel good about ourselves. But if we're doing something and it sinks under our, our, our feet, it makes us feel so helpless. What they do, we know, peace of Imram says, they were cities that were built on quicksand. They made us work and then see the work itself. We knew it was going to happen and we still had to do it. What a, a sadistic way of torturing the minds of Am Yisrael. Make them work knowing that they're doing pointless, worthless work and do work that is for the other gender and do work that is backbreaking. All of these were to break us physically and psychologically and socially. And that's what he says. We have to remember whenever we deal with our fellow Jew, our fellow man, help in the house, whoever it is, we have to remember it should always be pointless, pointful. It should always be something that makes a person feel good. It always has to be that way throughout. And he talks about it. And we have to think. Right, we should ask children, he doesn't relate to it, but if there's a certain child that could do something better than another child, and it, we should, we should always ask them to do avodos that are matim for them. And he continues on the next page, giving other examples, extra work, uh, infinite amount of work, avoda she'en la kitzvah, right, all of these, all of these we have to remember that we have to keep in mind how we treat others. But then he has a fascinating application. Let's turn a couple of pages. Turn a couple of pages to uh, page six, where it says source number nine. Source number nine. So what is most of us don't have avadim, right? So so what does it mean? So first he says, obviously it means if I have any work, you know, if I have somebody fixing my air conditioner, if I have a gardener, I have to make sure I treat them properly. Any type of worker, laborer, if I'm if I'm on a bus. There's a bus driver, whatever it is, whoever is working for me, I have to make sure I treat them in the in the most refined way possible. But then he says, maybe there's a deeper idea. Line 31. Maybe even within a person himself, there's a concept. Don't work parech, meaning something that is not appropriate. For the being. What's the being? Says Rav Nebuchadnezzar, we have a guf and we have a neshama. We have to make sure that what we do is matim for that connection, for that symbiosis. If we do something that's so painful for the neshama, we're being oved as hanashama shalonu bifarech. And we're doing work that he doesn't identify with. And it's so backbreaking and psychologically destroying our neshama within ourselves. If we do something that's only appropriate for our goof, our goof goes along with our neshama. Our goof is just a clee for the neshama. So whatever we do, our goof's going to be okay with. As long as it's not physical, we're not allowed to physically mutilate ourselves either. But we have to make sure, we think about ourselves. We have to make sure that we're not doing a bodas parech, to our neshama, and he continues, Bizmuz shalzman, wasting time, our neshama can't deal with that. Can't deal with that. It makes the neshama go crazy. Hashem says to the neshama, I'm giving you t- this five minute, what are we going to do with this? Hazmana yakar shekibla neshama, the neshama knows it has a finite amount of time. There's only four people. 
in history that lived till 120, the Medrash says, in Zos HaBracha. Right? How Havaya, we should be number five. We should be number five. There's only four. Moshe, Hillel, Rabbi Yochanan, Mizakai, Rabbi Akiva. That's it. But time is so precious. And we have to make sure that we use the time or else we'll be, lo- be violating Avodas Perech onto our neshama. A fascinating application of a pasik that we think has nothing to do with our lives. <laughs> but the next time we're maybe should be doing something else, we should remember the words of Rebbe Nebenzal. Osavad Boba Farah, our neshama doesn't feel so good right now. It feels like Pisum and Ramses. Feel like it's just losing, you know, what it was given, and therefore that's a problem. Okay, there's more here, but let's let's continue to have one more thought on the parsha, and then we'll mention something on the on the Haptorah. We have also towards the end of the section about avadim, the Torah says by Maftir, ki Yisrael avadim. Because remember, don't treat him as an Evet, because really everybody's my Evet. They're my servants, they're my Avadim. Remember that. Says Rabbi Lamb in one of his drushas, source number 11. We know that Chazal, the Torah, and Chazal afterwards point out that we are called by two names. Avadim and Banim. We have both of those. Right, there's a Machlokes, Meir of Yehuda, we're not going to get into that right now, but we're called both. And on the one hand, you might have thought, and we might say, that an Evid is somewhat superior to a Ben, because a Ben has no choice in the matter. A Ben is a Ben because it was born a Ben. An Evid is an Evid because it chooses to be an Evid. Okay, my father, my grandfather, but it's still... It's still an Evid. There's no biological connection. In one sense, servant indicates one who has no natural relationship, but has come to his master father from without. The Evid of Hashem, turning the page, is the one who therefore comes to the Adon Olam, voluntarily, utterly of his own free will, ready to subjugate himself. Right? We acted like Avadim at Tarsina and Asavanish, but we chose. A son has no choice. Right? And that's what he quotes the Rambam in his letter to Rabbi Avadi Hager. He wrote, You are awesome! Ger, because you chose to be mistofe, stachas kanfei ashrina. Unlike us, we were born into it, so to speak. But Chazal tell us, as we know, that a ben is greater. A ben is greater, and the question is, why is a ben greater? Why is a ben greater? So again, we don't have time to go through it, based on the Gemara Ba'a Basra, Dafyud, but he has three points. The first one he proves from that Gemara Ba'a Basra, but number one, an Evet has just to accept the reality. The Evet doesn't take parts in the, you know, what's going on. He doesn't have a, a voice. He doesn't, t- he, he cannot create or control or affect. A Ben can. A Ben always has an ear with the Father. Number one, we are Banim because we say that, oh, somebody's sick, I'm going to help them. Somebody's poor, I'm going to give them. Gorba Basra illustrates that. Hashem made them sick. Yeah, but if that person's a child of God, the king would want me to help. The king would want me to be involved. So number one, Bunim, we have to look at everyone else in the world as Bunim. Number one. Number two, do we do what we have to do? Do we do what we want to do? Turning the page again to page page number nine. A second definition. The Evid does only what he has to do, only what he must, only what he is told to do, whereas the Ben seeks to satisfy his father even beyond what he was ordered to do. The Evid does what the master demands. The son does what the father wants. And we try to do what a Baruch Hu wants, 
not just what he demands. Number two, Ben versus Evan. And finally, number three, the Evan does it and it stays as a physical act, done, finished. The Ben wants to appreciate what he's doing because he knows the father commanded this for a reason. The Ben wants to go beyond and understand every nuance of every secret. Top right, the Evan of a Jew who observes and gives and participates, but you could feel the icicles hanging from his heart. That's only Rabbi Lamb could write. The Ben is a Jew who not only observes and gives and participates, but also worries and loves and feels, who puts heart and soul into what he does. And that's what we have to do. We have to do, always. But we have to make sure there's fire in our hearts and not icicles. We're not doing it just because we have to. We're doing it because we want to and we want to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he says towards the end, especially number one, we have to look at every other Jew as a Ben, even if they're distant from God. They're still Banim Atem Lashem Elokeichem, and we have to do what we can to try to bring them back. And that's what he says in the, the last paragraph. We have learned how to view others, recalcitrant Jews as Banim and not as Avadim. We may be distressed that they're not observants, but the answer isn't to scream at them, the answer isn't to ostracize them, the answer is to try to bring them back. Bring them back, and that's what our generation needs, right? We need love, we need Avas Yisrael, because that's the only way that the Geula is going to occur. And finally, the, la- the Haftorah, a last thought from Rav Salvechik. Rav Shachter quotes it in Nefesh Arav, and he talks about it also elsewhere. The Haftorah, we know, is from Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu is told by Kaddish Baruch Hu to buy some real estate in Eretz Yisrael. And Yirmiyahu has been prophesizing for years that it, the Jews aren't going to be staying in Eretz Yisrael too much longer. And he himself goes to Mitzrayim, and it's unclear what happens to him in the end. Does he ever get back or not? But it's probably the, not the best investment perp, um, advice. And this is what he does. Hashem tells him, Your uncle's coming. Buy this. And it goes. The source for Kenyan Star and other Kenyanim are here. Right, a lot of Kenyanim are learned out from Barshas Bahar. And the question is, what's the message of this Haftorah? What are we supposed to learn from it? And our Salvation explains, as many as others do as well, this is exactly the same message as the Akedah. We mentioned it before. Avram Avinu had kashas. But kashas don't affect our kiyam ha-mitzvos. We do the mitzvah, and then we figure it out afterwards. You know, too often in our generation, is there a kasha and therefore a lack of observance. Or there's a lack of feeling. I don't feel it. I don't, I'm not in the mood. I'm not connected. And therefore in our generation, you know, many of the of you of, you know, the outside world out there, if you're not feeling it, it's okay, don't do it. Only do it if you're feeling it. Your Mio teaches us, no, no, no. Adam Avinu teaches us, you know, you're, I'm gonna, you're gonna have a lot of children, go kill your son. Doesn't make sense. Avram did it. He has kashas afterwards. But when it's time to do the mitzvah, you do the mitzvah. Yermio was told, there's going to be a churban based on Mikdash. Go buy that piece of land. It doesn't make sense. When it comes to mitzvahs, we do the mitzvah. We're not feeling it. It doesn't make sense. Davening, whatever it is, we need to do it. As much as we can feel, that's great. But we have to do it. And that's what he says on the 
in the in the fifteen. Can you explain it to me? But that's not before. That's after the Navi could do that. And a person could do that too. But a person's not a Navi. We might not get an answer. We might not get an answer. Maybe we won't get an answer at some point. But that's what Rashi points out at the end of Ayera. He only asked the Kashi afterwards. That's the Derech of Nevi'im. And that's where Salvechik says, towards the end, Bechayim, Bein Bechaya Adam Aprati, Bein Bechaya Ha'uma Vichlalusa, Kisharotim Lestakel Ba'asid Vladas, Ma'yeh Ba'sof, Yesh Harbi Dvarim She'pashut Lanu Luros Meirosh. Sometimes there are things that are open, and sometimes sometimes there are things that don't make sense at all. We have no idea, but you know what? We do it because the Kaddish Baruch told us to do it. Then he, the, the Rav Salvechik and Isha Halacha quotes in a footnote something that he heard from his father in the name of his grandfather, Rav Chaim Salvechik. He says, if you have two psukim that are so to each other, you can't try to can't try to answer the stira. Just just keep going. If you have a pasuk ashlishi. Shemachriya benehem, okay, fine, then you could try to put it together. But until you have the Pasuk Ashlishi, you just have to live with the stira. He says, a lot of times we don't have the Pasuk Ashlishi. Right? We have the two psukim that are so ser, okay, and that's what we have to live with. The Pasuk Ashlishi, maybe lachar, may have esrim, we could have it. But again, that's the, the, uh, halachic reflection of this idea, but ultimately we have to just, you know, be, uh, osik in mitzvos, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take care of the rest. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be machriachas and give us that siyat of the Shemaya, as we mentioned earlier. Okay, we'll stop here.